the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on a Thursday afternoon. If you've missed any of our shows this week, go back and get the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. All right. Uh, You know, if you listen to this show for any amount of time, you know that I'm a not just an alumnus, but a proud alumnus of Wheaton College. That's how I ended up out here in the Midwest. I grew up my entire life in New Jersey, graduated high school in 1995, and then embarked out to uh, Wheaton College, did my undergrad at Wheaton, graduated in 1999, uh, got married. I met my wife at Wheaton. Uh, we got married and stayed in the area. I began working immediately at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Go Wheaton, the next town over is Glen Ellen. Uh, my wife and I bought our first house a year or two later, uh, almost walking distance from campus. I then got my master's degree at Wheaton College. Many of our family members go to went to Wheaton. Um, I give that all as background to say uh, I am proud to have graduated from Wheaton College. I'm proud to have been at Wheaton College. And if any of my children said that they wanted to go there, I would be more than happy uh, if we could afford it to send them there. It's uh, it, it, I still wear, wear my Wheaton sweatshirt and Wheaton hat or shirt proudly. Okay. So going around the internet today or yesterday over at Fox News is this. When the, quote, Harvard of Christian schools goes woke. And here's the deal. I saw the headline and I went, uh, that's about Wheaton. Because I recognized the uh, that saying, the Harvard of Christian schools. So the article begins this way. Wheaton College is often called the, quote, Harvard of Christian schools due to its academic rigor being relatively comparable to the Ivy League Titans. Uh, its graduates of note range from Billy Graham to Dan Coats, former director of national intelligence and U.S. senator. So what's the problem here? The article continues. But recently, the school in the leafy suburb west of Chicago has begun to mimic Harvard's wokeness, banning biblical words, teaching critical race theory and psychologizing gender identity issues may not seem extreme in modern academia. But for the school which houses the works of Billy Graham, C.S. Lewis, and J.R.R. Tolkien, it is adrift from its orthodox Christian moorings. And But then they try to say, but this isn't a recent drift. And they go through different things uh, that have happened at Wheaton. He closes this way, what I would think is somewhat manipulative, but he says... 
Uh, in light of these shifts away from the Bible, would Billy Graham, the most influential 20th century evangelical, endorse his alma mater? In the 19th century, Harvard was slowly and permanently transformed from a Christian university into a secular one. Belief in a Trinitarian God was eventually toppled by in vogue philosophies. At Wheaton, the biblical belief in only two sexes is being tainted. With this and the other shifts mentioned, it may seem like a slow drift, but a gentle tide can carry a boat away from its dock. This was written by Tim Schneider, Schneider a freelance art writer living in Washington, D.C. Couple thoughts. Oh, my gosh, this makes me so mad. Guys, uh, Wheaton College is far from I'm going to use air quotes here. If you could see me on the radio woke. And I would encourage you, anyone who believes that Wheaton is woke, anyone who now believes that Alistair Begg and what we've been talking about all week is woke. I want you to do I want you to start with one thing. I need you to define woke. What in the world does it mean to you? I understand what people mean when they say it, but it has become this catch all phrase that we all use or that so many people throw around because, you know, now people are going to click on it or, you know, on Fox News, people are going to watch it. Uh, Oh, if I just brand them as woke now, I'm going to win this argument. I don't even know that most of you even know what it, where it comes from or what it means when you say it. To suggest that a school that has not changed at all their covenant, I had to sign it 25 years ago, 30 years ago when I started at Wheaton. I had to sign a statement of beliefs that is as orthodox as orthodox can be. And it hasn't changed. So what's changed here? I would suggest that our culture, our evangelical culture has changed. That there are now these conservative hot button things that if you say the wrong thing or you're willing to have a conversation about something else, all of a sudden you're to get canceled. We're spending all week trying to cancel Alistair Begg. And now what are we trying to cancel Wheaton College? And now they're supposed to be all scared because they're donors and all this stuff. I don't understand. That's my first thing here. Here's my second thing. I, I mean, for goodness sake, Google Phil Riken the 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 president of Wheaton College and try to make an argument that that man is woke to whatever you mean by that phrase. Go read the theology and the writings of Phil Riken. Go go read about the church he used to lead before coming to Wheaton College. And you tell me that that's what's going on. Ridiculous. Secondly, I would say this, and I'm going to make some of you mad with this. College is the place where we need young people to wrestle rather than to be told what to believe about every pick and thing. College is the place in a psychology class. This is used against Wheaton in this article, right? That the psychology chair uh, has had... Uh, conversation or has done some writings about um i want to make sure i get it right about transgenderism and its roots still calling it sinful still calling it 
not part of orthodoxy, but asking about sin and weakness and how do we speak about it? College is the spot where you should be wrestling with those questions. Under the umbrella of teachers and an institution that holds on to orthodox belief so that when you go into the world, you know how to speak of things. You learn it. That's a liberal arts education. Your goal should not be to send your kids to a place where they're just indoctrinated and they're just told this is exactly what you're supposed to believe. I want my children to go to a college that holds to Christian belief and holds to orthodoxy, but is going to challenge kids to think. My faith was stretched and grown at Wheaton College in ways because I sat under brilliant professors who asked me hard questions. I sat in a biology class at Wheaton College and learned about um, evolution in ways that I had never learned in my public high school. He wasn't, this teacher wasn't teaching evolution, but he was saying, let's wrestle with it. Let's talk about it. Uh, Friends, I will just end it with this. I would send my kids to Wheaton in a heartbeat. And I also wonder if we've just, to use an old phrase, we've jumped the shark here on everything being woke. We're now doing a week of Alistair Begg and Wheaton College. Like, think about that for a second. Think about that. This guy puts out this article and he's like, would Billy Graham still endorse his alma mater? I think the answer to that is yes. I don't think Franklin Graham would, but I think Billy Graham would. But it's like this high horse, this, uh, I don't, this is just getting lunacy. This is just getting ridiculous. And I think the church needs to get back to going, okay. Uh, what is going on culturally in, in evangelicalism? What do we believe? Uh, and I think uh, more and more this term woke. I'll just end it with that. If you believe that Wheaton College or Alistair Begg or whatever else is woke, I'm using air quotes again. I want you to go write down your definition of woke. Write it down. What do you mean by it? Because I don't know that most people out there have any idea what they mean when they're saying that. And to attribute it to to my alma mater, Wheaton College, I believe, folks, is crazy. I just think it's crazy. Uh, and I'm glad to be told otherwise, but uh, you're going to have a hard time getting me to believe it. It is the beginning of the month of February, which earlier today I declared to be my least favorite month. I was having this conversation also with my son, and he agreed. He also declared it his least favorite month. So I, I think we've got some uh, some agreement around this. Uh, it makes for an interesting uh, dinner conversation. Ask your family, what is your least favorite month? And I think you can make a good case for February. So with that in mind, welcome to February. Glad that you are with us today. And uh, we're excited to be together. All right. Sometimes on this show, we talk news or we talk, you know, an article from the Gospel Coalition or talk about the church. Sometimes we just need to to own up to our own stuff. And friends, I've got a story that I need to own up to. Here we go. The other day I was at a breakfast meeting at a local breakfast establishment. 
Uh, it was early, and it was the day that my wife and my daughter uh, w- were getting to their final destination, right? If you've been with this show at all this week, you know my my wife and daughter are overseas right now. They're in Morocco having a the time of their life. And then uh, – so it was a long, long, long flight. This was Monday morning when they were just getting there. I was up early at a lunch, at a breakfast meeting. That kind of sets the stage. So uh, I needed to go use the bathroom. And so I, I excused myself. I said, hey, got to quickly go use the bathroom. And um, while I was walking to the bathroom, I realized that I had missed one or two texts from my wife, just kind of updates. And so I was reading them <clears throat> as I was going into the bathroom. We've talked many times on this show about the dangers of distraction and phone use. I got into the bathroom and I looked around and something just didn't look right. Namely, if you're a guy, you know that you're used to going into the bathroom and seeing a urinal. But for obvious reasons, uh, women, you do not you do not see those. There is no use for a urinal for you. So I got in there, looked around, looked around. And after about 10 seconds, I had the horrifying realization, I am in the women's room. I am standing in the women's room. Now, I couldn't have been more lucky by one important scenario, one important aspect of this story. Nobody was in there. Nobody saw me walk in there because of the way the bathroom was. And more importantly, uh, there was no women in the women's room, even though the restaurant was relatively full. So I hightailed it out of there. Sure enough, turned to look at the sign. It said women's room. And I quickly uh, got into the men's room, went to the bathroom and got back to my table. I got to the table and I looked at the two guys uh, that I was sitting with and I said, well, I think that might have been a first, and they were worried what that story would be because I was coming out of the bathroom. But I said, I just went into the women's room, and they lost it. They thought it was the funniest thing. And then uh, they kept making jokes about, hey, there's a police officer over there looking around, or there's this and that. But highly embarrassing. Now, it could have been exponentially more embarrassing if, in fact, there had been anybody in that bathroom. As I'm staring at my phone, because literally I was staring at my phone as I walked in. And uh, so embarrassment. What do you do? Uh, like what, what, what do you do when you face embarrassing situations, right? I think you just own up to them and you just go, hey, guess what I just did? The beauty of being a pastor is this could very well turn into um, – the opening of a sermon this week, next week, one of the weeks, uh, wherever it fits, it, it's good sermon fodder. Uh, it's good radio show fodder. So, hey, in some ways, I did myself a service, but you just got to be able to laugh at yourself. You got to be able to laugh at yourself and just go, guess what I just did? Now, again, there would have needed to be um, extreme apologizing If heaven forbid there had been a woman in that bathroom, but again, by the grace of God, there was nobody in there. And uh, I was surprised at this establishment. Us men often wonder and assume that women's bathrooms are much more luxurious than guys' bathrooms. They've got to be a ton nicer. Uh, 
I always picture scented candles, nicer paint job, uh, sometimes like a place to sit, whatever you expect it to be nicer. Well, at least in this establishment, the women's bathroom and the men's bathroom were practically identical other than uh, whether or not there was a urinal in there. But here's the other lesson from what I did there. Here's the other lesson. We talk all the time on this show about phone distraction. What are the results of phone distraction? Of always having our our eyes and our nose in our phones. Now, I would like to say that I feel like I was a bit justified because I was trying to get an update as to whether my wife and my daughter had arrived at their destination. So I would like to think this is better than I was checking email or I was checking Twitter or whatever else. I was on Instagram or whatever else it might be. But that notwithstanding, uh, friends, I think this is a a great image as to what happens when we have our eyes just down and in our phones. We miss what's going on around us. I missed many points where I could have known I was going into the women's room. First of all, the door said women's room. And that would have been the first tip off, but I had my head down and wasn't looking. Walked in, and as I already described, they were set up differently. Didn't notice it. My head was down into my phone. Only then, once I realized that something was different, did I lift my head from my phone. And uh, thankfully, again, this just turned out to be a funny moment rather than a hugely embarrassing one. But let me end it with this, friends. Uh, phone distraction, while this is a funny story, can really uh, have adverse uh results in our lives. Some of them are obvious, right? Some of you still get distracted by your phone while driving. And that is uh, th- that is super dangerous. That phone distraction can lead to uh, horrific results for you or other people on the road. So don't do that. But also, I think about just the, the results of phone distraction while I'm walking around my house. And I got my kids there. Uh, when my wife's here, the people I want to spend time with. But there's this disconnect because I'm looking on Twitter or I'm checking my texts or email or whatever else it might be. Own your phone. Don't let the phone own you. Put it away every now and then when you're having family time and when you're home, when you're at the dinner table, wherever else it might be. Put it away when you're sitting at a table with somebody, whether it be a meeting or just a friendly catch up. Put it away. Uh, certainly when you're driving in your car and put it away when you're heading to the bathroom. I learned that lesson the hard way this week. Uh, Embarrassing story could have been much worse, but hey, it happens to the best of us. Coming up next, there's a ridiculous conspiracy theory going through kind of far right wing media right now that has to do with the Super Bowl with Taylor Swift And uh, I want to tell you about this conspiracy theory and then say, why does anybody ever believe these things? We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, hope for your life. 
My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Thursday evening as we get into the month of February. All right, the Super Bowl is coming up. This week is always hard. It's that week between the Super Bowl and or between the AFC and NFC championship games and the Super Bowl. They have that dead week, that bye week, so that there's a two-week buildup for the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl is not this Sunday, but it's next Sunday, and it pits the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. Super Bowl Sunday has basically become a uh, a national holiday where you gather with friends. Even if you're not a, a football fan, you, you're going to be somewhere likely where the game is on, where the food is served, where the this year the, the halftime show is Usher, which will be fantastic. Uh, the commercials, you know, there's people you might not like football, but you love the commercials of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl has truly turned into kind of a national holiday. To the point, I actually read this the other day that uh, there are many people who believe that the NFL is going to change their schedule and add an 18th week. Right now, there's uh, 17 weeks. They they think they might add an 18th week in the coming years, which would then push the Super Bowl back a week to President's Weekend, where Monday would be off. It would truly become a holiday weekend, Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, we'll see if that ever happens. But the Super Bowl is coming up which means the end of the football season, which is what makes February such a difficult month, have yet to get to baseball season. Uh, So one more football game to go. Again, even if you are not even close to a football fan, you know that one of the best players on the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, their future Hall of Fame tight end, is uh, in a dating relationship, seems to be getting serious quickly with Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift... Uh, the biggest celebrity probably in our culture right now that there is. She was voted time person of the year in 2023. And uh, we did a story earlier this week, I think, where uh, they think upwards of one fifth of people surveyed said that her endorsement would make a difference for them in the political Uh, This presidential election coming up. So Taylor Swift is like you can't understate how big of a deal Taylor Swift is culturally right now. And uh, because of that, there's been really weird pushback to her. Uh, People kind of, you know, tends to be guys watching football going, keep her off my screen. And uh, Travis Kelsey did an interview uh, yesterday on the Pat McAfee show where he talked about his relationship with Taylor Swift probably more than he has. And you know what? I actually listened to it because I like the listening sometimes to the Pat McAfee show. And um, my takeaway from it was for all the fanfare, all the hoopla, all the she's the time person of the year. He's a famous football player. It's just a dating relationship. Like they are dating. They enjoy each other. They uh, it's like the beginnings of a of a rom-com and you're like let them be and i know this is you know whatever but the other weird thing or maybe the primary weird thing that is coming out from the taylor swift um travis kelsey relationship is some crazy right-wing conspiracy theories and i want to read them and then i want to just go what's going on here So I'm reading this from CNN. 
right-wing media is burning red at Taylor Swift. That's a playoff of uh, her songs. With the Kansas City Chiefs headed to Super Bowl, influential MAGA media personalities have started circulating conspiracy theories about the pop superstar, promoting the deranged notion that she is part of a sprawling psychological operations plot staged by the NFL and the Democratic Party to deliver the 2024 presidential election to President Joe Biden. The attacks on Swift have been steadily building for weeks. They put in parentheses, see Fox News host Jesse Waters asking his primetime program earlier this month if Swift is, quote, a Pentagon asset. But it reached a fever pitch on Monday. Uh, The bad blood is related to Swift's 2020 endorsement of President Joe Biden and the fact that Travis Kelsey, the chief's tight end that she is dating, participated in an advertising campaign for the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer. A Monday story published by The New York Times, which noted Biden would like Swift's endorsement again this year, added fuel to the fire. So here's what some of the people on the far right wing are saying. So uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who was running for president. I Anyway, I'll keep my commentary to myself about this guy. But he wrote, I wonder who's going to win the Super Bowl next month, he said, the unsuccessful candidate. Uh who has spread conspiracy theories around many things. And I wonder if there's a major presidential endorsement coming from an artificially culturally propped up couple this fall, just some wild speculation over here. Let's see how this ages. He was responding to a post from Jack uh, Posobiec, the far right wing conspiracy theorist who shared a version of the theory during an interview with Roseanne Barr, the famous actress who has also been far right online uh, conspiracy theorist. He said he believes the Democratic Party and the other powers are, quote, gearing up for an operation to use Taylor Swift in the election against Donald Trump. Uh, Roseanne Barr agreed, saying that Swift is, quote, definitely someone who has consented to speak the way the establishment wants to be spoken of and that using her influence will be how they try to get on top of the next election. Uh They go on to say a lot of stuff. Uh, Benny Johnson, a right wing media personality who has millions of followers on social media, says this. Taylor Swift is an op. It's all fake. You're being played. The Democrats, uh, Laura Loomer said this. The Democrats Taylor Swift election interference uh, psychological operation is happening in the open. It's not a coincidence that current and former Biden administration officials are propping up Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. They're going to use Taylor Swift as the poster child for their campaign. Uh, It goes on and on and on. Another guy said uh, the NFL is totally rigged for the Kansas City Chiefs. Taylor Swift, Mr. Pfizer, all to spread Democratic propaganda. Calling it now, KC wins, goes to the Super Bowl. Swift comes out at halftime and endorses Joe Biden with Kelsey at midfield. It's all been an op since day one. I could keep going. I've just got to say this. There are times I read things where I'm like, am I the one losing my mind? Am I the naive one? Like, am I the one who doesn't see? Because I read this and this is absolute lunacy. Think about what this is saying. That she's some artificially created pop star when in reality, like, she's just a pop star. Uh, he, because he did a commercial for Pfizer, has be- he's the chosen one. They've been placed together 
The NFL has rigged it so that his team gets to the Super Bowl. And this is all being done so that Joe Biden can be the president. This is craziness. Like, the lengths your mind has to go to to believe things like this. Uh, if you believe this, I, I I don't know what to say. I would look in the mirror and go, why am I susceptible to conspiracy theories that don't make any sense? Again, I'm not saying that there aren't any conspiracy theories out there that uh, don't have a lot of truth in them. I just finished listening to a nine-part podcast series about the JFK assassination and I came away from that going wow there's so much more there than than what we were taught in school convinced of it but stuff like this the amount of people and the amount of things that have to go into this and let's just get out of this world where everything is about politics like football in this is about politics uh a world a multi a billion dollar world tour is all set up for politics. A relationship, all for politics. Everything is being manufactured so that Joe Biden can be the president. It's just silly. And I, I would say this, friends, because of course they're going to want her endorsement. That's different from a conspiracy theory. The same way that President Trump and others get every endorsement they can get. The bigger the endorsement, the better. But to go with the level of some sort of orchestrated conspiracy theory has, I, I think it's craziness. And I continue to say that it's problematic for Christ followers to believe these types of things because we claim to be the people of truth. And if we truly are the people of truth, yet we spew these kinds of things that are ridiculous. I, I don't know what to say. Like it's, the world of especially, oh, let's go both sides. The world of really crazy conspiracy theories, really out there conspiracy theories. I think it's super dangerous. And now you add in artificial intelligence, what that's going to do to all of this. And friends, it's scary to where we're going to end up here because we've become, uh, I almost said gullible, but we just believe what we want to believe. It, we can't believe what's in front of us. We just believe what we want to believe, even if it's absolutely nuts. I, I was I didn't think that this had much legs when I first heard about it. And then you do a, a deep dive, you do a Google search, you do you start reading articles and, and it's there's a lot of people out there who believe this about the Super Bowl, about Taylor Swift, about their relationship. Again, if I'm proven wrong, I would be shocked. But this is Kind of nuts. All right, coming up next, Elmo had a question that he asked on Twitter, and it got really deep and really widespread. We're going to share that story next as we close out The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon as we close out the show. In the other day on X, which is Twitter, uh, there was a post from a very interesting, I'm using air quotes, person. And that person that you know very well, especially if you have kids or have had kids in the last 20 or 30 years, that's Elmo. Elmo posted right now. Any Me just saying the word Elmo uh, 
if you're a parent, you're hearing this. Na, 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 na. Elmo's world. That is that was constantly on in my house when my kids were little and and uh, especially my oldest daughter when she was little. Elmo all the time, all the time to the point for her first birthday. Think about this. Your first child is turning one. And I had this great idea. I said, I am going to buy Madeline, my little one year old, a goldfish because Elmo has a goldfish named Dorothy. So I got Madeline a goldfish and we named her Dorothy, just like Elmo. And now, thankfully, Madeline couldn't understand much because she was just one at the time. But her father got the wrong fish food and forgot to go get the right fish food. And dear old Dorothy, the goldfish died a slow and painful death in our home. So that's Elmo. Sorry, that was really a dark way to end the show there today. My apologies to you fish lovers out there. But all that to say, if you're a parent, you know Elmo really well. Well, Elmo has a Twitter account. And Elmo posted this video the other day, uh, or, or, or just a question, I should say. He just said, Elmo is checking in. How is everybody doing? Elmo is checking in. How is everybody doing? And it got thousands of replies and a few interventions from his Sesame Street pals later, it says. And it was pretty clear. People are not doing well, Elmo. Elmo. But here's what's fascinating. You can go find this on Twitter. Now, there were lots of jokes made, but some people really opened up and it became like this cathartic uh, kind of communal laying bare what's going on in some people's souls. Now, uh, the story I'm reading from is like, hey, it's not surprising the world's experiencing a grinding war in the Ukraine, a potential famine in Gaza. Uh, there's that war going on with Hamas and Israel. You got mass shootings. It feels like anxiety, depression, uh, mental health crisis. We got this election coming up. It's that cold, gray time of year here. And then so the tenor of the responses to Elmo kind of reflected that. And uh, it was interesting. Let me read to you some of the responses. Somebody wrote, Elmo, each day the abyss we stare into grows a unique horror, one that was previously unfathomable in nature, our inevitable doom, which one accelerated in year, which once accelerated in years or months, now accelerates in hours, even minutes. However, I did have a grapefruit earlier. Thanks for asking. So that's kind of that dark humor one. Uh, but then there were some that were just honest. Every morning, I cannot wait to go back to sleep. Every Monday, I cannot wait for Friday to come. Every single day and every single week for life. Somebody else wrote, Elmo, I'm depressed and broke. Somebody else wrote, I'm at my lowest. Thank you for asking. Somebody else wrote, Elmo, I've got a level with you, baby. We are fighting for our lives. And somebody else and maybe the most brutally honest reply said, Elmo, I'm going to be real. I'm at my blank limit. And it got dark and it got honest and uh, it was wild. After a few hours of people kind of trauma dumping on the on that, the official Sesame Street account called Time Out with a follow up post directed to people 
to real mental health resources. Or as someone on Twitter said, Elmo, sorry, but this is above Elmo's pay grade. Uh, it was inch. I don't think they ever thought that this is how it would go. There was uh, a follow up from the Elmo account. Wow. Elmo is glad that he asked and uh, hope that you're all doing well. Uh, and it got me thinking, and this is where I want to close out. There was a lot of honesty on there that kind of opened a doorway that said, I don't know that people are doing well. And that they felt the, uh, the, the, what opened the door was a, a fake puppet asking. Friends, there's many of you out there are do are not doing well. Many of you are not doing well. But also many of you are surrounded by people who are not doing well. And they may not be doing well, but they're not doing well in secret and in private. And, you know, while access to mental health resources is a critical part of emotional wellness, sometimes the first step, the best thing one can do in the moment is simply to talk, talk to a friend. If you're struggling, and I know this can be a big ask sometimes, but if you're struggling, don't do it alone. Open up to a friend. And if you've got a friend that might be struggling, don't be just be like, hey, I'm too busy. I can't do this. But uh, ask, talk, do something together. Listen, don't talk. And and be be brave about it. The first step it says here could be the toughest part. This is um it, there should be a teaching moment here, I think, that that a Twitter post by Elmo opened this doorway, it tapped into something that caused people to just start pouring out. There's a lot of loneliness out there. There's a lot of pain out there. And I think uh, what it means to be a friend or the church or whatever is to be a listening ear and be there for someone. And I'll close this way. If you're not doing well, uh, uh, my prayer for you is that you would know deeply the presence and the peace and the joy of the Lord. Not that you would believe that all of your problems would go away, but that you would know the truth of the fact that in the book of Psalms, God says, I am near to the brokenhearted. And so you can turn not to a Sesame Street puppet, but you can turn to the God of the universe, cry out to him. And he says, I'm with you always. I will be with you all the way till the end. So uh, an interesting kind of cultural moment there that I'm not sure was intended to be that way from Elmo, uh, but helpful. Well, we're glad that you joined us today. One more day in the week. We look forward to being together again tomorrow from 4 until 6 p.m. We hope that you have a great night. You've been listening to The Common Good here on AIM 1160. Hope for your life. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.